Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the PFN Scouting Podcast. I'm sorry that we have not been around, but uh, I just became a father. So, everybody, Feliz Natal, Boas Festas, y Feliz Ano Novo, which is Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and Happy New Year. Because I missed all three of them on the podcast, and I'm trying to practice my Portuguese. But before we get started, I have to ask, Ian, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, man. I'm happy to be back. You're flexing that Portuguese. I like it. I yeah. like it. Making making great strides there. It's been good. Uh, it's been you know a lot of changes on the draft sphere uh, since we were last on. I know a lot of declarations. Mm-hmm. The class is kind of coming into focus. But now I got to turn the tables on you. I got to ask, how are you doing? Are you getting enough sleep? Are you enjoying yourself? What's what's, you what's know, the low down here? Surprisingly enough, I am getting enough sleep still. Uh, we set it up so she's kind of taking the early shift at night. Where from like 8, 9 o'clock until 3 a.m., it's kind of on her. And then from 3 a.m. on, it's me. She already stays up until like midnight anyway. So the like midnight to 3 is like her time to wake up. But he's sleeping, you know, for a good three, four hour stretch usually during the night. Um, He's absolutely inconsolable when he wakes up because he's so hungry. He just screams. But that's what what a newborn does. Uh, And I am getting used to that. The biggest transition for me will be getting back to work and getting into that flow on top of trying to be a father. So that, that is going to be very interesting to see how that shakes out. But let's get to some of the declarations. Is there one... And we have no plan for today, guys. We have absolutely no plan. I just want you yeah, guys usually, to know Usually that. we're really good. We got a whole doc. Mm-hmm. You know, we're like, hey, what are our ideas yeah. today? What's the... Not today. Yeah, no. We're just going full stream of consciousness. So it's uh-huh. Is there a declaration that surprised you the most, but in a good way? In a good way? I would say... I would say generally a good way. Yeah, I just... The, the uncertainty is where he's going to land exactly on the board and what team. But uh, Cameron Ward declaring was very surprising to me. Uh, I think definitely this QB class needed it because you look at those QBs after you got May, you got Williams, you got Jaden Daniels, who's kind of emerged as the likely QB three Penix if the injuries check out. I mean, that dude is insane. We saw it against Texas. Bo Nix, I'm, I'm a big fan of what he has to offer, too, as the distributor with those creationary tools. But after those guys, right, it's a little it's a little sparse, it's a little thin, right? So we were kind of hoping for you got Michael Pratt from Tulane, you got Spencer Rattler, who I imagine teams are going to be high on with the upside. But I feel like we needed one more guy in that day two tier. And I think Cameron Ward has the talent to enter that. Now it's just, you know, how are the interviews going to go for him? How is the pre-draft process going to go? But the dude has insane talent. We saw that many times this year where he's just racking up yards, making insane tight window throws with that arm talent and precision uh, and the creation abilities there for him, too. So I think surprising in a good way, adding to the depth of the QB class. And I think if you want a guy who has the tools to invest in and be a potential future starter, there's another guy to add to the list in Cam Ward. So that was the one that surprised me the most. I know you've been catching up on it, too. Any other ones that surprised you in a good way? Um... You know, I think that there was a name that really caught my eye immediately when I was looking at the list, um, and it was Maurice Leofau. Leofau? Is that Ma- how you say it? Leofau, I, I believe. Leofau? Name. Yeah. Yes, Maurice Leofau. Um, I did not know almost anything about him 
mm-hmm. and my buddy Tyler Browning got me on him. I actually watched a little bit of him the other day. It was just a, a surprise because I honestly did not know. I knew nothing about him as a prospect. And when we go through and we do these things, like we obviously have a lot of guys on our radar, but there are guys just in doing this that slip through the cracks. And for me, he was one of the guys that slipped through the cracks, and I wish that he wouldn't have because he, I think that he's a really good player. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be interesting to see kind of where he shakes out in this linebacker group. Uh, not a ton of underclassmen declarations so far in the linebacker group. You're looking at Jeremiah Trotter Jr., um, Leo Fow, um, Cedric Gray, and Edrin Cooper right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how that class kind of shakes out. Yeah, we don't know what's going to happen with Deontay Lawson yet. I don't know if he's made an announcement or not, but we know, uh, I think Danny Stutzman returned to school, Barrett Carter returned to school. So that position yeah. in particular kind of kind of uh, hemorrhaged a little bit. There's a little bit lacking depth. So I think there's a lot of sleepers to be excited for, like uh, Indiana's Aaron Casey, for example. You know, I do think as we get farther into the draft process, we're going to see more of those guys start to become unearthed. But, you know, in the meantime, not a ton of depth. I think Liu Fao had a senior bowl invite and accepted it. So we'll get to see him there, how he fares in coverage against running backs. But on tape, his physicality coming downhill is definitely one of the really yeah. enticing parts of his game. And if you're a linebacker, right, that's that's kind of central. You want them to be physical at the point of attack. Uh, so it's going to be fun to see what he does. I had a thought that was on the on the tip of my mind and I forgot it and my and my thought with him going to the senior bowl is that's going to be huge for him because we already know what he does well and what he does well doesn't really show up at the senior bowl it's not really what happens at the senior bowl going through drills and stuff like that it'll be about the reactive athleticism and coverage it'll be about you know the pass rushing and and what he's able to do against uh, the tight ends and the running backs in those 1v1 situations so it will definitely be interesting to see that um you know, we got Chop, we got Dallas Turner, like mm-hmm. we we got the some of the big names here on edge that we really needed. Nate Wiggins, um, a, a guy, Kalen Carson, Kalen King. Um, so we got some big names at cornerback as as well. Are there any surprise returnees for you that kind of shocked you? I know one early on was Princely Uman Midlin. Both of us were really mm-hmm. high on him, and he ended up going back. One that just happened yesterday, I think, uh, was Ohio State defensive tackle Tyleek Williams. I had him as my DT3. Yeah, liked him a lot. And he ended up returning. So that's a big I'm, boost. I'm surprised that he returned and, Michael and Hall, Hall yeah. declared. Yeah, yes. and like I like both guys, but to me, Tyleek Williams... 6-3, the all-encompassing alignment versatility. And this was his best year yet. I mean, he was phenomenal. Ten tackles for loss, three sacks. And I think he was even more disruptive than that stat line led on. So I think if there was any time to sell high for him, it was this year. But now he's going back. Ohio State's losing. Marvin Harrison Jr. got some uncertainty at quarterback. So I don't really know what the upside is there. But at the same time, you know, you can't speak for these guys what the decision. You know, he's enjoying himself, yeah. you know, at the college, collegiate level, wants to get his degree, you know, no qualms for me there. But, I, you know, selling high, it was interesting to see him go back and Mike Hall declare for sure. Yeah, and maybe at the end of the day, the, the committee just gave him a, you know, a round three, round four grade. Yeah. And he thought that he deserved better or could do better if he stayed another year. So that's always a... A decision that is a tough one for a lot of these guys. But I do think with NIL, the ability to make a little bit of money at the college level, I do think that we will see more of those fringe, you know, day two guys uh, start to go back to school more often to try to help themselves out and make a little bit of money uh, in that final season of college football. I thought it was funny. Uh, I believe they asked Dallas Turner uh, right after 
the the game mm-hmm. uh, or was it Dallas? No, 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 it wasn't Dallas Turner, was it? Yeah, it was. It was. Dallas they asked Turner. him if he was going to. He was like, "Yeah, absolutely, I'm going." He's gone. <laughs> and it's like, of, of course, like we we knew that he was going to be gone, but it, it's yeah. fun to see, you know, when these guys are so uh, quick to. Um, to say it and so blunt about yeah, it. Yeah, there's a level of transparency, I think, that's starting to get more and more, you know, with, with so many different variables going into it. But sometimes if you're, you know, if you're that talented, man, it's just, it's as simple as that. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm excited to see what happens with the rest of the declarations for the playoff teams, because I know there's still yeah. a lot of guys from Alabama side that we still have to hear from. Uh, there's still, you know, even guys, non-playoff teams like Ohio State, there's quite a few prospects in flux there at, at the time of this recording, like Trayvon Henderson, mm-hmm. right? He could be an RB1 candidate. Denzel Burke is a corner that I have graded in the round one range, but he said he wants to be a top 10 pick. So does he go back to try and levy that, right? So still plenty to go uh, in terms of decisions. How, yeah. How'd the uh, Texas guys go? Have have we heard any declarations from Xavier Worthy? Any of those? Xavier declared. Worthy, I know, yeah, but I other, think- other than that, nothing yet? Adonai Mitchell, I, I'm not sure if he is declared. Quinn Ewers will be another big one, I think. I think yeah. he stands to gain uh, from returning to school, but uh, we yeah. will see what happens there. I think the defensive tackles have both declared. Um, Jalen Ford has declared, and he's going to the Senior Bowl, so another good linebacker. Uh, Jatavian Sanders, I think we're still hearing from him. I got a refresh. You know, we're keeping an eye on it every day, yeah. but it moves fast. You know, it, it's it's tough this time of year, but um. I have to imagine we'll see a lot of those offensive guys. I think Jonathan Brooks is another big one. He uh, left early with an injury, uh, but he does have a, a case to declare if he wanted to because there's a lot of depth and, and you know, ascending talent in that RB room. Uh, so I think Ewers and Brooks will be the big wild cards for them. But, uh, yeah, I mean, still a lot of names we need to hear from. Speaking of running back, perfect transition. I was going to ask you about the running back position. Who are you most excited? Because running back is a position where the earlier you get out of school, the better. You've taken less hits. You've accumulated less touches overall. Is there anybody that you're really excited about in this group? I know that we've we've talked all year, uh, you know, about guys like Bucky Irving. We've talked about Estime and and Trey Benson and Will Shipley. I know that you were a huge Will Shipley fan in the preseason draft process how are you feeling about him now still feeling good I think you know it was a little concerning that he had trouble with durability at times this year and he he left the bowl game early with a knee injury late luckily he won't need surgery for that so that's good Um, I think at the end of the day you know I I really like you know I don't spend early like first round capital on running backs usually right like there's always exceptions like Bijan Robinson was just insane mm-hmm. last cycle Jameer Gibbs was also insane and they both kind of proved it uh, in their first year but usually I'm not going to consider them until day two so day two early day three you know if I can find a well-rounded high utility back in all phases I'm really going to like that and Will Shipley to me is that guy you know I think he's one of those guys not the biggest guy uh, around 5'11 210 I think uh, but he's got decent play strength for his size I think really enough burst, enough speed. For me, the hit fluidity has been really impressive for him from day one. You know, the ability to kind of recalibrate his attack angles at will, you know, in the heat of the moment and plays and you know, kind of adjust that and then having the vision to kind of capitalize on that too. Uh, very good, versatile receiving threat and a capable pass blocker too. So I think that versatility, that all-around rushing utility is really going to help him out. I think the durability is going to be one of the only questions for him. Uh, Mid-round, you know, late day two, still very much, you know, on that train. Is there a day three guy that really has your eye that has declared? Hmm. There's a few, man. I I feel like that's where the value of this running back class is going to come. 
because there aren't a lot of guys that you're head over heels for in the day two yeah. range. Like, I really like Trey Benson. You know, I, I do think there's guys yes, who you too. can rely on as volume backs and potential starters for sure. I think Trey Benson is one of those guys. He will probably be my RB1 if Henderson returns to school. Audric Estime, I think, is still kind of underrated in that regard. Mm -hmm. I do think he's primarily a volume back, uh, but he does have the speed to take those runs to the house if he gets into space. He has flashed really nice receiving upside, even though he doesn't quite have the same amount of production in that phase. Uh, so I do think there's a lot of upside there, but if you're looking for value, right? And this has been true for a long time. You know, we see Kyron Williams breaking out with the Rams, right? If you can find a very good back on day three and put him in an optimal situation, like that is the value equation at RB. So looking at this class in particular, you know, I think, and this guy will probably go to day two. You know, a few names that come to mind for me, Jalen Wright from Tennessee. Like I said, probably goes mm -hmm. to day two once he runs because the dude is fast uh, as I'll get up. But, um, you know, he's another guy who's got great vision. Uh, I think he's got great you know, just a bit efficiency, right? You know, when he has a lane, he hits it and he gets upfield and he's very good at finishing forward with that contact balance, that play strength. Amani Bailey from TCU is one guy that I think is a little bit underrated right now. 5'8", 5'9", over 200 pounds, really dense, energetic runner. You know, you look at what I, Isaiah Pacheco has done at Kansas City. Mm -hmm. I look at Amani Bailey, I see really good energy and density. And those are two things that I think are really uh, good for a runner, especially if you're at the second level, finishing forward, making the most of those small creases. He's definitely got that. Um, a few other guys that kind of stand out in that day three range. Isaiah Davis, South Dakota State, could be a really big big sleeper, really physical back with contact balance. Again, Kamani Vidal from Troy is one of my favorite, really under the radar guys. But he's another really dense bowling ball of a back, 5'9", 215. But I think he's really explosive out of his cuts too. I think he's a decisive runner. Uh, another guy who gets downhill with urgency and efficiency. Uh, so I do think there's there are a lot of names to know in that range. Um, how many are gonna get drafted? How many are gonna hit the UDFA pool? Uh, we'll have to wait and see. But I do think there is value to be had in that phase. Can't wait for UDFA Ray Davis to absolutely yes, break out at the NFL yes, level. Sir. I love Ray Davis. And, I, think, and I think he'll be drafted, man, because he, he's yeah. at the Senior Bowl now, right? I believe uh, Senior so. or Shrine? I think he may have accepted a Senior Bowl invite. Okay. I'll have to okay. double check. But, and, you know, they're yeah. both great showcases to, you know, mm -hmm. give these guys an opportunity to prove themselves, you know, in front of NFL evaluators. But Ray Davis, I think, has been ascending throughout the entire cycle so far. Hard charging runner. Right. You know, Huge explosive. Year. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. And, and there's other guys, too, like Cody Schrader from Missouri. Another guy who really made the most of his one year at the SEC level. You know, just mm -hmm. so much depth in this RB class. I do think the top end range. Right is kind of taking a hit and if Travion goes back that's going to be compounded but the depth is definitely there so I think teams will be rewarded if they can kind of pick out those gems you know, those diamonds in the rough oh uh, man um, sorry about all of that uh, Brock Bowers uh, declared and absolutely nobody is surprised about that are there any tight because tight end is such a like weird position overall it, and you know not a ton of underclassmen usually declare for the NFL draft when it's you know when they're underclassmen but is there anybody who really catches your eye I know you've been a huge Ben Sinnott fan yeah. uh, throughout the entire process I really enjoy Theo Johnson uh, the, the Penn State tight end um, but is there anybody else in this group it's tough um, it's really because there are a few guys like Lucas Shea from Iowa would have been a guy that I would have 
stake the claim on, but he ended up returning to school, yeah. uh, which I think was a good decision, right? You know, end with a full year, you know, get fully healthy. So I think it's going to be fun to see if he can break that early round range. Uh, ben Sinnott was definitely my guy from the start, yeah. Kansas State. You know, I love the versatility, the all around utility that comes with him. I think he's a really good route runner. I think he's got great hands. I think he's enough of an athlete. Uh, you can use him at H back or, you know, out in the slot, out wide. I think there's a lot of versatility. Uh, for him if you want to have that flexibility one guy that's kind of caught my eye uh, though recently is tcu's jared wiley he was a texas transfer and around 6 7 255 260 really smooth athlete for his size really good separator really good angle freedom on those route breaks you know on slants and, and digs up uh, then also has the speed and athleticism to work up the seam really good red, red zone threat i think he had a really high touchdown output this year i believe i'll have to go back and check but you know i i do know that he's been very productive um after being mainly a backup in this time at texas he really emerged at tcu smooth athlete receiving shops right you know one of those guys who can be that seam red zone dual threat kind of guy and i think he had a senior bowl invite too so we'll get to see him work in one-on-ones uh, but jared wiley to me is probably one of those bigger sleepers Terrence Ferguson from Oregon, I do believe he declared. I'm not sure if he's declared yet. I think we're still waiting on that. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. I'll try and look it up after this. But Terrence Ferguson, if he does declare, another guy who's a very athletic tight end, really physical, really good contact balance after the catch, uh, really good working off of those scheme touches in the short range, but has the physicality to work through contact in the red zone too. Um, a lot of guys kind of in that day three range, again, who could end up being steals for you. So I look at those guys. A few tight ends that kind of stand out to me. You mentioned Theo Johnson. Any others on your radar? I know Johnson had a senior bowl invite, too. It's going to be fun to see him work in open field uh, with his contact. Yes. Yeah, I mean, the the Penn State offense just overall. Mm -hmm. A little bit weird. But, uh, no, from from a tight end perspective, it's for me, it's all about Brock Bowers, and it's it's all about, uh, um, oh, my God. I'm having a complete brain fart. Texas, uh, Jatavion Sanders. Yeah, Jatavion Sanders. Yeah. We talked about him literally right before the <laughs> podcast. See, this is where my head is at. I say I'm getting enough sleep, but I'm obviously not because whenever I try to multitask and do something else, my brain completely falls apart. <laughs> something that is not falling apart is this wide receiving class. Oh, yeah. It is unbelievable. Are there? Is there anybody – because I don't think there's anybody really going back to school or, or has – said that they're going back to school that would be surprising right yeah i don't think so i think a few guys on that day two fringe like uh will shepherd from vanderbilt he ended up entering the transfer portal yeah uh who else tory horton from colorado state was another one who you know many had a top 100 grade i know our director ian valentino was a really big fan of him as yeah. one of those you know six two size speed guys right he ended up returning to so there were a few Within that range, we don't know what Emeka Egbuka is going to do yet, so that'll be interesting to see. Um, as far as I know, he has not made his decision known yet. Another one of those Ohio State guys that's kind of pending right now. You know, I know you and I were both very big fans of him in the preseason lead-up. Uh, injuries kind of marred his 2023 season, but you know, again, I think tape evaluation has remained pretty similar to me. I do, I do think you know, being less than 100% kind of affected his confidence and his you know consistency at times this year. But I'm not going to knock him too much for that because we have seen high-level football from him before. So I think it's just a matter of once he gets back to that 100% state, uh, he'll be better at that. But I, yeah, aside from that, I think most of the decisions so far have not been surprising. I don't know if Marvin Harrison Jr. has made an official announcement, but probably going to declare. I don't think there's... I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it yet, but... Yeah, and it's one of those things like, you know, looking at him and him specifically, right? Like, 
you're the son of a Hall of Famer. Everyone knows you're going to be a top three pick. You know, I don't think there's any big upside to delaying your NFL transition at this point. I think, you know, it's kind of it's kind of set, right? You know, do what you can. Yep. We've seen other guys like uh, I think Keon Coleman declared, Roma Dunze. I'm excited to see. I, I assume he will declare, you know, once his yeah. his uh, streak is over. Brian Thomas Jr. just declared recently. Mm-hmm. You got Xavier Worthy, uh, Lad McConkey, right? You go down the list. This wide receiver class is stacked. And I know we've been we were talking about doing this like state of the union thing, but Dalton, I mean, just talk to me about your feel for the wide receiver class right now because I feel like if there's any position you take from this class and say this is the position that will define this group. I, I feel like wide receiver, you know, obviously quarterback always plays I, pretty heavily. I don't know I don't know. Yeah. As amazing as this wide receiving class is, I look at the OT class and am just as That's true mesmerized by there there's probably more wide receivers but just overall when you look at a football field 11 personnel there's usually three on the field and so there's more of those guys anyway but you're looking at the with the declarations right now uh you're you're looking at patrick paul uh your guy kieran from yale i'm not even going to try to say his last name today i will figure it out during the process tyler kiten joe all jordan morgan uh, Olu Fashanu, Marius Mims, like there's so many unbelievable offensive tackles in this class, like seven, eight guys that I could legitimately see going in the first round. You have right tackles, you have left tackles, you got guys that could probably do both. Um, you know, look at somebody like Graham Barton, who maybe he's an offensive tackle, maybe he's a center at the next level, maybe somebody's going to throw him a guard. Like there, there's a lot of really talented blockers in this class, and so I'm really excited about the tackle position as well. But when I look at the wide receiving class, and I asked you this question about the the running backs, who are the day three guys who you're really excited about? Like, if there's going to be one or two day three guys from this group that is just going to absolutely go off. Hmm. And and we're talking about projections because, like, maybe at the end of the day, for some unknown reason, Brian Thomas Jr. goes day three. Not expected, but anything can happen in the NFL draft. We're talking about guys who are projected late day two early day three type of guys yeah and it's it's tough again because there were a few guys that i really liked that ended up returning or entering the transfer portal too so i feel like we're going to see that more and more when you have guys in the middle rounds you mentioned it earlier guys who maybe are projected as fourth or fifth or sixth round guys but could maybe be a round two or round three guy with a with another great year with a breakout year so in a different situation so we saw a little bit of that this this cycle too so i'm looking forward to seeing what comes of that but with this group in particular a few guys that do come to mind for me malik washington from virginia has to be one at the top of my list around five nine over 200 pounds the dude is a bowling ball in open field but he's also a really nuanced separator really strong hands really physical player uh, and i do think he has enough functional athleticism that was one thing that stood out to me when he was at Northwestern, is that this is a guy who actually has legitimate explosiveness, tra- uh, attacking a field, out of breaks, uh, good speed as well. So I'm really excited to see. I think he's at the Shrine Bowl, uh, so that'll be a great showcase for him to kind of prove his worth uh, as a separator and a competitor. Last year, a guy who really made use of his opportunity there, Demario Douglas, uh, Pop Douglas, ended up really showing out for the Patriots this year. I think he broke the Patriots' rookie receiving record. So, you know, that is a, a stage for those guys to kind of prove that. And I think Malik Washington has that framework. A couple other guys in that could be in the day three range. Maybe they emerge on day two. Maybe they 
crack the top 100 range. It's tough to say that because, as you mentioned, there are so many freaking wide receivers in this class. Yeah. You know, at some point, the, the the sheer numbers game is going to push some guys to day three, right? But that's not an indictment of them. Two guys that I think will be gems within that range, Jacob Cowing from Arizona, UTEP transfer, and then Ricky Pearsall from Florida. I think Pearsall in particular. Glad you, glad you brought up Pearsall. Yeah, tough player. You know, really good speed, but a very good route runner as well with throttle control, with sync. I think, you know, the, the catching instincts beyond his frame are very, very good. Uh, that's one thing that really stands out on his team, the contortionism ability. You know, it's, it's second nature for him. It really is. Just getting in the right position, getting his arms and hands in the right spot. You know, the timing of that, too. You know, all of those things are very solid on his tape. You know, I, I think about the three-level threat framework. I don't think he's an elite rack threat, but he does have legit speed if you get him space to work with. So I think he's going to be one of those guys who, you know, we look back, he was much more complete than we thought. Yeah, three-level threat framework. And I think he's going to show that in the senior bowl, you know, in the offseason process. Jacob Cowling is another guy who's just very energized, explosive, agile, as a mover, twitchy. Uh, and that translates both as a route runner and as a rack threat. Um, and he was a reception machine, just a target funnel uh, at both of his locations, right? But I think at UTEP too, you know, he really showed his ability to be a high flying catching threat too. The vertical athleticism, the ability to rise and attack passes in midair. And again, that contortionism is there with him as well. So I think those are two guys to me that really have translatable skill sets. And if you get them on day three, I think you're looking at really good value. Anaya Smith might be my favorite football player in the draft. Oh, yeah, for He's sure. He's not the best wide receiver in the world, but he is more than than capable enough just as a wide receiver. But they used him very, very much like Sean McVay uses Cooper Cup in that offense, where using him behind the line of scrimmage as a guy coming across formation and blocking defensive ends and edge rushers. Like, he's just a guy, when when I watch his tape, where it's football coaches are going to want him on their football team. Evaluators might be like, ah, you know, is he really super fast? He's definitely a little bit undersized. Is he a wide receiver at the end of the day, or is he a running back? Because he played some running back when he was at Texas A&M as well multiple years back but he was I thought he was pretty good at it at that too he's just at the end of the day he is just a football player he's a guy that you want to get the ball in his hands I think that he has return upside but he's somebody who will do whatever your football team needs and he did that on a Jimbo Fisher football team so you get some actual fantastic leadership at the top and he's a guy who will play his tush off for you and so for me like he's probably my favorite football player in this yeah. entire draft class. But you guys already know my love for Xavier Leggett. Invited to the Senior Bowl. I'm, I'm interested to see what the route running looks like in a one-on-one situation because he is so big. I'm also very, very interested in his height and his weight because he looks big on the football field. He looks huge. But I have also been told by a source that I really trust that he might be closer to six foot one and 210 pounds. Uh, still a, a big dude, still a solid wide receiver, but would be much smaller than his listed height and weight at South Carolina. The other thing about that is it doesn't really matter because when he leaps <laughs> and he high points the football, mm -hmm. he is taller than you no matter what because he has great leaping ability and he is one of the few guys that can legitimately catch the ball at its very highest point. So somebody I'm, I'm very, very excited about, obviously, going to the next level.
Yeah, I was gonna say Satan. we got we got to move on because Dalton's gonna talk about him for five more minutes, yeah, ten exactly. more minutes if we, um, if we can put a cap on this. Safety is an interesting position because I don't think that there's been a, a ton of declarations. We have the two mm-hmm. Miami guys declared, Cole Bishop declared, thank you. I love Cole Bishop. Um, Sion Vaki, can we talk about him? Yes, Because I can. haven't watched I'm... his tape yet. Yeah. But God, was he a fun football player this year. He is very fun. And he's going to blow the roof off the combine, too. I mean, he was on Feldman's he... Freaks. But, uh, so fast. Dude, he's explosive. He's, so fast. he's fast. I mean, the dude just has a jet pack on. You know, that that's the best analogy you can use i mean just every time it's instant propulsion um i i don't know if i play him at safety or running back at the next level i'm not sure because i watched some of his safety tape ahead of my most recent mock draft i think angles are still kind of an issue for him you know pursuit angles takes too narrow of angles a lot and doesn't quite have the fluidity and the elite change of direction to recover uh, so I think right now, a lot of times it's, you know, sea ball, attack ball, but can be a little mm-hmm. reckless in that regard. So I think. Yeah. And I'm going to cut you off there for a second, mm-hmm. because I, I think that this brings up an important topic that doesn't get talked about enough when it comes to athleticism and fluidity mm-hmm. overall. There is proactive athleticism, in my opinion, and then there is reactive athleticism. And that is the difference between a guy who can make people miss in the open field as a running back and has the you know type of fluidity as a pass rusher to to bend and and you know get under the rush underneath the table but as a reactive athlete somebody like that who you know is a little bit stiff and just not incredibly decisive in their movements when they have to react when you are able to be proactive and you're able to cut off a guys on the offensive side of the ball it's a completely different type of movement than on defense and the other way to look at this is guys who are really really shifty with the ball in their hands as wide receivers and it doesn't translate over to their route running ability it's a completely different skill set even though you don't think that it should be um and, and when you talk about that when you just when you brought that up with Sion on on the defensive side of the ball I could see people being like well if he's not really fluid is he going to be able to make guys miss on the other side and i just i wanted to bring up that it's a completely different athletic skill set in my opinion no you're absolutely I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because it's it's one of those things you internalize it but you don't always think about it yeah. as an evaluator but you know every and this is one thing that i thought about earlier in the cycle too and you know i try to assign basic functions for each position right you were usually creating something at any position right offensive line creating displacement right protecting your quarterback running back, creating different angles and things like that, creating yards after contact in an open space, right? You are creating or providing something or you're protecting, defending something, right? So it's it's usually one of those two things. And Sion Vaki is really unique because in both of his roles, he's kind of showing each different thing, right? As a safety, you're kind of reacting to what's in front of you and you've got to recalibrate, you've got to adjust, you've got to recover. Running back, you have a little more authority dictating what's happening in front of you right and kind of going off of that right because those defenders are reacting to you so you can draw them into an optimal look and then capitalize on that right you have a little more control and it's really fun to see because he didn't play running back every game this year he didn't have a ton of volume there but the tape that he showed i thought was really impressive i think you know i do think the ability to control the field is there a little bit more with him at running back and you know obviously that speed to get upfield like once he does have a lane is very impressive he showed receiving shops in a in a small sample you know i really think the upside is is very alluring there so he was a surprise declare a fun declare and i think just wherever he plays 
uh, there's going to be a lot of upside. But me personally, I'm, I'm leaning running back, but I could also see a team play him maybe as a hybrid slot defender at safety, right? Because he is so explosive and so physical too. You know, he does take on blocks. He does make tackles. Uh, he does make plays behind the line of scrimmage and you like to see that. So, you know, he's an interesting boon to the safety class. One thing that I wanted to talk about too, how many nickels are in this class? How many nickels? So many. Like, there are so many, so many nickel defenders. Just thinking about Mike Sainer still, Jedi Barron, and you know, I just, I can't, Thomas Harper from Notre Dame. And those are some of the sleepers. Like I'm not even talking about the actual guys at the top too. Like it's, it's insane uh, how many guys there are. Dadrian Taylor, Demerson from Texas Tech, you know, Tyke Smith from Georgia, Javon Bullard also from Georgia. Uh, That's kind of the, the new safety position yeah. anyways, is that, that nickel player. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a really interesting evolution of college and, and NFL defenses too. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's going to be a fun draft class. I, I think that it's a super talented class overall. I think that there are obviously there it's weaknesses and it, we're going to have to see the rest of the guys who end up declaring or not declaring. And on that topic, I think we should spend the last 10 minutes or so here, maybe discussing the national championship game and, and possibly the prospects that are going to be in that game. Yeah. And uh, the piece that a certain uh, person at Pro Football Network um, or at College Football Network, um, this is actually for Pro Football Network, though, um, just put out a piece on all the prospects in the national championship game. Would you happen to know who that person is? Oh, is that me? Oh, shoot. That flew over my head. I was like, "What's who's he talking about here? <laughs> you didn't I'm even like, know? It just gotta, published three hours ago. I got I to read um, this. What's this talking about? Yes. Yeah, no, that was me. Oh, shoot. No, it was literally you. Wow. See, this is a, how crazy. much work Ian does. He forgets <laughs> about the work that he does hours after doing it. Um, no, listen, we know the big ones. Michael Penix and, and J.J. McCarthy. I, listen, I think J.J. goes back. I, I don't think. My stance has always been if he wins the championship probably declare yeah, yeah, because yeah, you don't have sure, anything else sure. to play for you won the big 10 title you want and again i can't speak for any of these guys right i think yeah. you know there's equal merit to going back but you won the big 10 title you beat ohio state multiple times and you won the championship you know i think you check every team achievement box that you know the only reason to go back is maybe you don't get high grades or as high grades as you thought you would right you know i think at this point he's probably not qb3 Michael Penix medicals. I would have Penix over McCarthy from a pure film perspective, probably. Um, but, you know, McCarthy is still very talented. You know, he's still had really high-level flashes of anticipation, tight window, mm-hmm. you know, kind of vision and things like that, pocket management. Uh, so I do think there's merit to him going round one. It's just, are you at your absolute peak, right? So that's the only argument for him to go back. If he wins the title, if he loses the title, I think it's a little easier for him to say, hey, let's run it back. Let's try and get it next time. But, you know, it's going to be a really fun QB duel in this one because michael mm-hmm. panics man i mean 430 yards two touchdowns just tore apart texas a very good texas defense i might add you know you got that defensive line they were wreaking the, havoc the front end the front end of that texas defense yeah, is really true. good um the defensive that, backfield that, has some talent man but i mean it's just tough to go against that washington trio it's just yeah and the thing is yeah. texas always has the talent it's the ability to showcase that talent and be a cohesive unit um, their defenses have always kind of reminded me of the, the Browns pre-Jim Schwartz where it was just a bunch of really talented individuals mm-hmm. on the back end specifically. Um, that D 
defensive line is unbelievable. I mean, it, it just is. But yeah. is there one guy in this game that you're really excited to watch for a specific matchup? Hmm. Oh, man, a specific matchup. Now you're talking my language here. I love how different contests pit guys against different players, right? Uh-huh. You know, I think that's – and, you know, that goes without saying, right? You know, it's one of those things we just kind of always think about. But this one in particular, to me, God, there's so many. I think the one that stands out to me, the one at the very front of my mind right now, is probably Roma Dunze going up against Will Johnson, Michigan corner, who's probably going to be a 2025 CB1 candidate, uh, 6'2", 200. Uh, Johnson was locked down this past week against Alabama. I mean, he's explosive. He's very fluid. We saw against Marvin Harrison Jr. that early pick he had in that Ohio State game. Um, Really great break on the ball. Really good route vision and identification and reaction to stimulus. Coming downhill, making the play on the football. Uh, So he's got the length. He's got the physicality. You know, a lot of times it's it's just kind of maintaining discipline with his positioning at the catch point. And that was one thing that Harrison beat him a couple times at. You know, just kind of getting a little too hasty, right? But Will Johnson, to me, has all of the talent to be a lockdown cornerback, to be an absolute CB1 top 10 prospect in 2025. And on the other side, you've got Roma Dunze, who is 6'3", 215 pounds, insanely fluid for his size, very explosive, easy speed that you don't always you don't always think about it because he just generates speed so effortlessly. It's not that explosive rocket fuel that Xavier Leggett has, right? Where you can see, and, yeah. And that's something like a lot of people when they watch him, they are maybe not concerned about the speed, but they just don't really see it all that yeah. often. For me, it kind of goes back to on the other side of the ball with Patrick Sertan, where people question Patrick Sertan's long speed. And he ends up going and running a four four, and he's like good credit or four three something, and he's just mm-hmm. incredibly fast at two hundred pounds. And it's just the ease of movement, never being out of position. The positional leverage was always perfect with him as well, and so he never really had to push himself all that much. When you look at Roma Duns, I really see somebody who late separation vertically is huge for him and it's that ability to turn on the jets when he absolutely has to and we know for a fact even if we don't see it on the field down in and down out we know for a fact that he runs like a four three five like we know what he is going to run he's going to be a freak and so you don't count it twice obviously but if you thought that he didn't have the speed for whatever reason when you evaluated him and he doesn't show it a ton, you have to sit back and think he consistently wins down the field all of the time. So there has to be something there other than just being six foot three because yeah. just being six foot three doesn't do it for you. And it's not just the speed and size too. It's the yeah. you know you mentioned late separation, the late hands, the instincts, yes. the patience, mm-hmm. right? The I think the patience might be. Not the most underrated part of his game because people do talk about it. But I think we need to talk about it more because it is incredible. I mean, you put yourself in his shoes. You're tightly covered down the field, right? You've got a pass coming towards you. Natural instinct and like natural just kind of, you know, muscle memory reaction. You know, just that. What's the word I'm looking for? I'm trying to the reflexes. Yeah, like I was thinking about the hammer hitting your knee like the doctors. Mm -hmm. Reflexes, right? You know, it's so easy for that to come in and think like, oh, I got to get my hands up because the ball is coming, right? But if you get your hands up too early, you're keying in the DB and then he gets his hands up too. And the next thing you know, that ball is going elsewhere because you were a little too hasty. You weren't patient enough. I think the patience, you know, it's not just a matter of timing. It's really a matter of discipline, like understanding. Yeah, I got to get my hands up at some point. But if I go too early, 
then this is going to be a deflection. So I can't play into his hand. And Adonze is so good at staying patient without fail every single yeah. time. I mean, one of the most consistent at that. You don't know when the ball is coming because he does not give you an inch. He's got that poker face, man. And I love that part of his game down the field because it just puts everything together, right? What good does route running and fluidity and size and speed get you if you can't finish a rep, right? But Roma Dunze is so good at just playing each rep through its conclusion with that patience, that discipline, that composure, that body control. And it really just puts the cap on his game. You know, I know we talk about this wide receiver class. Marvin Harrison Jr., clear wide receiver one, right? Malik Neighbors would probably be wide receiver one in any other class. But the more I watch Dunze's game, I yes. think he's kind of in that tier too. Yes. You know, for me, he's that wide receiver 2B, right? You know, he's he's one of those guys man and i'm really excited to see what he can do in this game because we mentioned it with will johnson you know just playing the ball at the catch point is just one of those things he's clearly a playmaker he's got six interceptions mm -hmm. and seven pass deflections over the past two years clearly has that gene but does he have the discipline to win those 50 50 balls and kind of not be outsmarted by Dunze, right? I think he's a young player. I think he's going to get bit a few times. But if you're looking for a blue chip to blue chip talent matchup, that is what it is in this game. Yes, um, something that I'm really excited for in this game. Also, I love safety play. We all know this. Rod Moore against yeah. that vertical passing attack of Washington. I think it's going to be a huge one for me. Um, also, the uh, Jabbar Muhammad. Yeah. Hype train is at a million miles an hour right now. Seeing him up against Roman Wilson, and I don't know how often we will get that matchup because they do a lot of fun stuff with Rome, Roman Wilson in alignment. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what, what happens there and how often they go up against one another, but that's a, another potential prospect uh, matchup in this game. But in the same vein as Anaya Smith, Blake Corum has quickly become one of my favorite players in college football. Uh, the toughness that he displays is outrageous. Doing a post-game interview with blood just drenched <laughs> on his face with the, the loose skin pointing out. I mean, there's a football player. An absolute warrior. <laughs> and I don't know where he's going to go in the NFL draft. But, man, he is just a ton of fun as a football player. I think I underrated him earlier in the process because, you know, age is one thing that yeah. maybe I'm a little bit too much of a stickler for at RB. And, and I wonder now at running back with the way that the league looks at the position, if they know going into it, hey, this guy, he's going to be a one-contract guy. And that's just the way that it's going to be. And I think that with that, What's it matter if he's going to be 28 at the end mm -hmm. of the contract? Do you know what I mean? So yep. for, for me, I don't know if age, especially in prospects who are going to go later day two, early day three, I don't know if that matters as much anymore. And you look at how hesitant teams are to dish out high value contracts, right? Like if you yeah. can just get one rookie contract from them and then move on and yeah. let them go somewhere else, like, you know, teams, yeah. teams will look out for that, I think. And on the other side of the ball, Dylan Johnson, somebody who has yeah. absolutely exploded this year. And I liked his tape at Mississippi State before he went to Washington and has done even more since leaving Mississippi State and that wide open pass your tail off uh, offense in the air raid. Um, so, yeah, I mean, just obviously it's the national championship game. There are a ton of prospects in this game. Um, so, yeah. 
Yeah. Um, Any uh, closing words on the 2024 NFL draft class? I know we're almost out of time here, but this was kind of our state of the union. So any closing thoughts before we wrap it up? It's a good class. It's a fun class. I've really enjoyed uh, getting back into the NFL draft here. Um, I'm really excited to dive into more of the interior offensive line play. And I don't say that uh, as a lie. I am excited about that. I'm excited about watching running backs. I am just excited that the NFL season is almost over. And we are almost to our pride and joy, which is the NFL draft. And with that, I think that we can close it out unless you have anything to say. Nope. I'm in the same boat, man. We are almost in the home stretch here. January, March, February. I forgot February for a second, but it's there. And then (laughs) April. Uh, This is our home stretch. This is our Super Bowl. And we are so excited for all of you to join us along the ride. We're going to be don't know if we're going to have a podcast next week. I will be out of town. But after that, we will be back every week and we will be churning ahead. So I appreciate you all until then. And as always, guys. I love you. Goodbye.